Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, a podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, with me, Laurie Dunsire, joined by that man, Mark Donaldson. Hey, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Mark? I'm good, thank you. Looking forward to getting back to domestic action, because it's been an international break that seems like it's gone on forever. I know, it's, it's kind of the the done thing now for everyone to moan about international weekend. <laughs> Was it always that way? You even see like betting companies tweeting about it, saying, you know, another international weekend, yawn, etc. Um, oh no, it was a good, it was a good international weekend for Scotland. It's just as a commentator, I had six games in seven days, so because they're playing every day, uh, it does make it rather busy. And you've got to feel for the the managers now because they've just got to like the club managers. They they send the players on the way and then hope they come back unscathed quick thank you to the 1004s uh, who provide the music which you've heard at the intro and you'll hear at the end of the show an Edinburgh based band that you can find on the likes of Spotify YouTube etc uh, but kicking on with the podcast a uh, quick bit of feedback just to go over from Anne Waddle she was listening to the podcast last week and decided to google Ryan Davidson yeah um, there's a guy of that name who plays for Fort William she said um, she couldn't find anything on Wikipedia, so was unsure. Was unsure if it was the same player. I, I'm not sure if you you're aware if he ended up in the Highlands. No, no. I mean, I, would I swap Australia for the Highlands? Depends on the time of year. It would have to be an Aussie <laughs> winter and a Scottish summer, which is usually about July the 14th. Uh, but I doubt it's him. Um, but thank you for your homework, Anne. Um, and that's. Uh, that's two players we're now um, searching. To find. <laughs> searching for searching for Gary and searching for Ryan. So, I mean, talking of homework, uh, this show is going to be very homework heavy, I think. Uh, obviously, no hearts game to review. We'll have a look ahead to the St Mirren game later in the show. But last week, uh, we spoke about the taxi board game. Uh, the hmm. Hearts edition of the Taxi Board Game, which we're giving away. So thank you very much to the manufacturers for passing that on to us. Uh, and the homework set by Mark was for the listeners to provide the homework. So maybe a bit lazy on our part in some ways, I guess. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go through some things. First of all, quite interesting, uh, Ian um, White uh, messaged. Uh, he's someone who's listened to the podcast from the early days and he he actually mentioned that we've quickly achieved a winning format and five stars, which we're, we're happy to hear because we were sitting at about three, I think, early on. So, I think, um, yeah, yeah, I think we started lower than that. So the only way was up for us. So thank you very much, Ian. I'm glad that you persevered. Um, sorry, that sounded, that sounded a bit too hibs. And you've you've now got you've now got a better podcast apparently. So uh, thank you for your feedback. Uh, Ian also said um, it's been very interesting reading the potential homework question and answer subjects for future weeks. It might be an idea to run run with this for the coming weeks. And uh, mentioned to Mark earlier in the week, I thought it was quite a good idea. So maybe rather than end it this week, let's have a look at what comes from the questions we've got. Carry on for maybe a couple of episodes and then. We can maybe review afterwards and find out what questions spark the best conversation, the best feedback from others, and and maybe take it from there. So, so maybe keep this running for a few weeks yet. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this show because unlike other more well organised shows that actually have a structure, <laughs> I've got no idea what we're going to talk about today, what um, alleyways we're going to go down, and that hopefully is sometimes when we can produce our best stuff because it's off the cuff and it's memories from uh, years gone by that um, 
that we don't know what how we're going to start and we don't know how we're going to end. What I would say, um, as we do get underway today, I don't want to kind of leave it until later. Um, I'd just like to give our condolences to um, the family of Pilmer Smith um, because, unfortunately, we've lost Pilmer. And I know Hearts were uh, planning to, to maybe recognise um, Pilmer's connection with the football club. Uh, but tragically, um, we no longer have Pilmer, and he was uh, he was a mainstay of uh, of the football club and did a lot for them over the years, especially with Wallace Mercer in the in the eighties. So condolences to uh, to Pilmer's family and 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 friends. Yeah, Pilmer sadly passed away as East Lothian home, at the age of eighty seven. The former Hearts vice chairman. Um, everyone who who knew him always spoke very highly. wasn't someone I knew personally, but you saw the tweets and mentions coming in uh, from from all kinds of people in football, and he just sounded like a very genuine guy, someone with a, a real passion for Hearts. So, someone who'll be sorely missed. Um, on the subject of the podcast, I think people will be interested to hear you saying that we won't have a structure like we usually do. I can imagine Ian go, imagine Ian White saying, what, geez, you, you're saying you had a structure normally. Um, a chaotic structure. <laughs> uh, so Ian himself actually said his suggestion was uh, to ask Hearts fans about the most interesting places they've met players and conversations they've had. Uh, mm. he, he said he'd always found Hearts players very courteous, but the most bizarre was meeting John Robertson and Roddy Grant, the excellent Johnson player as well, in an Edinburgh bar. Robbo was great, but Grant called his dad a suit because he worked in an office with W and J.R. Watson when he was a stonemason there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so an interesting wow. story from Ian there. One that popped into my head uh, was when I was at uni and I worked in Blockbuster part-time and I was stacking some of the shelves and uh, a couple of track-suited individuals came in the shop out of the corner of my eye and someone in a, a broad sort of certainly west coast of Scotland accent um, asked me if we sold football manager pal, I think was what he added to it. And I was like, oh, here we go. Turned around and it was Jamie Hamill and some uh, younger looking chap, both in tracksuits. And I had to politely tell him we don't sell football manager. And, and that was it, Jamie Hamill, who was actually playing for Hearts at the time. Uh, you're probably going to have a few more interesting ones than that, I imagine, Mark. <laughs> I've got one. Um, uh, my mum and dad used to, we used to make a weekend of it for Hearts away games. And we would stay in the, usually, I think my mum had Stackis Points or whatever it was, but that was her preferred hotel. We stayed in the Stackis in Dundee, and I've got a photo of me with Alex McDonald, Wallace Mercer, Craig Levine, and John Robertson. And I put this on, on Facebook and Twitter and whatever. And then um, someone pointed out to me when we were doing... I don't think you were able to go. That's why Robbo and I did the commentary in Tallinn um, recently against Infonet. And I ended up doing the commentary in your absence with Robbo. And someone um, reminded me, that a friend of mine, that uh, there was a picture of me and Robbo, which I showed him and... Um, it was a few stone ago for both of us. I think I was, I think it was 1987-88 season. Um, so I would have been 10 or something like that. And uh, yeah, with with Robbo and we, we we got a picture that day in the stadium of me and him commentating together. Um, and I put it in a, I put it in a post along with a picture from from back in the day. But yeah, it's lo lots of memories of kind of meeting players. 
it was always great to, to kind of, I don't care who they were, they were still your heroes back in the day, and Robbo always will be. Um, and I always send them a, a kind of derogatory message every year for his birthday. <laughs> Um, but just someone that I'll I'll always look up. <laughs> I'll always look up. I'm six foot four. He's four foot five. Um, you know what I mean. It's it's not over till the fat commentator screams. Is that what we're? <laughs> um, cuddly commentator. <laughs> um, so yeah, if anyone, if you're listening and you can think of some good stories about when you've met Hearts players, interesting places or conversations you've had. Have you ever met a Hearts player in a strip bar? I I would never uh, find myself in a strip bar. So of good course... answer. Good <laughs> answer. Has anybody met a Hearts player in a strip bar? I've not, and I'm I just I'm in this kind of mischievous mood today. I don't know where we're going with any of this. So there, it's not homework. I just if if and boys and girls, because girls can go into strip bar too. Have you ever met a footballer? Let's let's widen it in a strip bar. Now whether that says more about them or you, and whether you want to admit it. I'm just throwing it out there. Good luck. Do you want to edit that out? Then if it, if you do, then we'll not hear it. If you don't, then we will. I definitely don't want to edit it out. Okay. Okay. Blair Messer said, given it's another international, a wretched international weekend, <laughs> Uh, which Hearts players have the best and worst records in international games? So mm. he said, it can be Scottish, can be any other nation, but only caps gained whilst a Hearts player. He says, do I know the answer? I don't. Uh, I could look it up, um, <laughs> uh, but there's our homework. So that's that's an interesting one. That's for the, the statos. It's not one that we're going to be able to, to put off the cuff. And it might be one to put to Davey Allen, um, Hearts Museum or London Hearts, however, whatever guise he might be under at the moment because I certainly don't know, but it's an interesting one. To, I'm gonna. I'm trying to think what Hearts players have, have represented quite good, good teams. international yeah. nations. Because the, the, the Lithuanians, forget them. Um, Takis Fisas, did he play mm. much for Greece when he was with us? Um, Cholis didn't play enough, wasn't with us long enough. That's a good question. I mean, the thing is, if we talk percentage, you probably just need to find someone who got one cap and the team happened to and win. One, yeah. Because they... a minimum number of games played. Yeah, we'll, we'll maybe think about that. But interesting one to look into. So if any mm-hmm. statos want to research that, get on London Hearts, because you have the data there. It's just getting the, the relevant info you need from it. Um, Brian Dixon, interestingly, I, I like this one. He said, homework for next podcast, the best 11 from all opposition players who have played at Tynecastle and memories of them playing. So I've not collated an 11 here and I'll I'll give you some of mine that come off the top of my head and you can give me some of yours but certainly from domestic football the Martin O'Neill Celtic era which I've mentioned a few times but that's the team I remember dreading most playing as a Hearts fan was that team and Henrik Larsson he's one of those strikers who he just constantly scored against us I've, again, I don't have the stats in front of me but I'm pretty sure it was 20 plus goals and he just he banged in it more than one hat trick at Tynecastle, I remember, and he was just phenomenal, just a brilliant finisher in the air, on the ground, outside the box, inside the box, um, and not far behind him in the terms of being on the pitch was Stilian Petrov, who I thought was sometimes unplayable yeah, at his height, and a, a quick couple from from European games who these kind of games inevitably throw up quality players because you're often playing these continental opposition. 
the, the Spurs game where Hearts got absolutely thumped 5-0 a few years ago, I thought, interesting, Gareth Bale played that game and he was a, he had a great game and he went on and he is a terrific player, but I thought Van der Vaart that evening. Yeah, he's unplayable. I, I just, we, Hearts players literally couldn't get near him at times, he was just dancing around and I think, I think he scored the opener, he certainly scored early on. And I remember at that point, it just set the tone. It's like, we are just not getting near them tonight. Um, and last one, randomly, and this is more for one moment, was Albert Riera. It's probably a game oh you commented on. Oh, my God. Bordeaux. What a he, goal. Like, he, oh, my goodness. I mean, if, he, he went on to play for Liverpool. And he's just, oh, he's, he's just pinged us from 40 yards. And, I mean, the, the problem in that game was we'd won the first leg one nil in Bordeaux. That was a mm-hmm. memorable trip. Um, Big De Vries scored. It was a three six one. Levine was just like, <laughs> "I'm gonna, I'm gonna crowd the hell out of the midfield," and that, it was like we had no idea what to do in the second leg. I remember because yeah. they were a really really good side at the at the time, and we won, and we just didn't know what to do, and uh, and we, and they beat us two 0 And interestingly, just a random thing I noticed because I did look up this game just a few minutes before we came on. Um, Maurizio Pochettino was at centre back for Bordeaux that night. And really? I, and I would never have thought that. I, I mean, it's just—it's not a player that I could remember very well. To be fair, no offence to Pochettino, but it just—I randomly spotted his name at centre back that that evening. Do you know what would be fun? And and while we're going down this this road, you could put together a, a one to eleven of domestic players. Um, that Hearts have played against over the years and give give us your best 11. But you could also do it from a European perspective mm-hmm, yeah. because um, I remember being in uh, Sarajevo when Edin Dzeko was on the bench for yeah. uh, Um We had Mandzukic against Zagreb mm-hmm. um, over there. Um, Balakov for Stuttgart, who played well. Um, I remember blatant plug Gary Mackay's book, which I don't even know where you can get it anymore. Not even rubbish bookshops sell <laughs> Gary's book, um, but I'm sure you'll find it. Um, he said one of his hardest opponents was the guy Safit Susic of PSG, um, 1984, when, when we played them and, and they thumped us 4-0 over there and uh, drew two all at home, but we, we got thumped. Um, you could put together on the 11. Luis Suarez, Liverpool, remember okay, he played yeah. against mm-hmm. us as well. Um, there have been a number of players who, A, have been brilliant, but B, have gone on to much bigger things as well. I'm sure Jekyll was an unused sub for Zsolyeznica. He was um, 17, I think. That was a, Yeah. I, yep. I like that bit of trivia. I've, I've thrown that one out there before, actually, um, during commentary. But any that spring to mind for you, Mark, domestic or, or European for that we could put in a best 11? We don't have, we don't, I don't have to put 11 together just yeah, now, I mean, to start things uh, off. Individual performances. I mean, Larson just killed us all the time. You're right about that. I mean, I remember Paul Gascoigne was was outstanding um, for Rangers and uh, in, in the Coca-Cola Cup final um, in 1996. Hugh Dallas was the referee, but I think so. I think Alan Freeland might have been the assistant, and he was never a good referee. But if he was the assistant that day, we should have had a free kick in the build-up to one of their goals, and and we didn't get it. But certainly Gaza. Um, Loudrup um, in the cup final was unplayable in, in 96. So those two players, I know you've mentioned a couple of Celtic players in Larson and, and Petrov, but in the space of four or five months, the cup final of 96, the Scottish cup final where Loudrup was immense, 
and then Gascoigne was practically unplayable in the in the Coca-Cola Cup final. You really could put together an 11, an opposition 11, that would be right up there of players that have played against Hearts. So yeah, for the listeners, um, if you've got particular memories, you can either put uh, you can put a whole 11 together if you wish, or just give us some players that you would put in a best 11 of opposition players. Now, Brian said he played at Tynecastle, but we can open up. It can be at Tynecastle or away from home as well. Um, Mark Wells, who's a a regular contributor, thanks for getting in touch, Mark. He says, favourite moments in the stand supporting Hearts, which is quite a good one. He actually, he gave me a couple of examples. His his first one here says, he remembers being in the old terracing behind the goals at East End Park on Boxing Day. Yep. When there was a collection of around 10 Gilles Rousses. Now, I assume by this he means, (laughs) he means 10 fans who are all wearing Gilles Rousset tops. And he says, at halftime, when the subs were warming up, they bypassed the goals and started firing their shots at said Rousses. Um Great banter, <laughs> which which is which is excellent. I really like that one actually. Um, speaking of speaking of East End Park, this is a bit before your time, but those of us in our forties will remember if you went to a Hearts game against Dunfermline in the late eighties, there were a couple. Thankfully, I wasn't commentating back then. There were a couple where five players with the surname Smith played in the same game. Because the Dunfermline fans, I don't know if it was a song or whatever, they used to say it's Smith to Smith to Smith to Smith, and he beat Smith to score. Andy Smith probably the one who scored it. No. No? I don't think so. There was was Bobby Smith. Henry Smith was the goalkeeper. There was Bobby Smith, Trevor Smith, Paul Smith. (laughs) And and you've you've completely thrown me by introducing Andy Smith. Sorry. sorry. (laughs) No. um, Bobby, Trevor, Paul... And one other, and then they beat Henry Smith. And I had all four in, in my head, and you have ruined it by saying Andy Smith now. So I appreciate that. Cheers. I'll find it, though, and I'll in, I'm just going to immediately, like I normally do, Shout butt out. in. Yes, without saying, excuse me, sir, may I speak? That's quite, that's fine. Um, there was uh, one moment popped in my head there as well from the stands, and um, I'm trying to remember who the player was. It was a Hearthstone Firmling game, and I think it was when we had a dreadful run under Edward Malafive. And um, big Simon, who used to sit in front of me in Section G, he, he loved to give opposition players a little bit of stick. I, I say a little. It was Bobby, a Mark, Trevor, Paul. Bobby, Mark, Trevor, Paul. There we go. There it is. The, the, Told you I would do that. Sorry. The outburst. <laughs> <laughs> it was coming. And there was there was a player for Dunfermline who, uh, who Simon was given absolute dog's abuse to. And he... Um, at one point, he just said to him, your mum's a bleep. Um, and the player turned around and went, what did I do? And literally stopped on the line, out on the pitch, and went, what did I do? <laughs> and Simon laughed and went, you play for the other team. <laughs> nice. Dunfermline scored quickly afterwards. And this is probably a good version. This is probably a good example of karma. Said player and his teammates come running over to our part of the section G in the Wheatfield stand and did a little dance right in front of us. I think directed it at Big Simon. It, what also is mentioned by Mark, actually, again from the stand, says he couldn't remember the game, but it was, it was when he was around seven or eight. They were at the front of the stand, the shed it was. He said him and his friend needed the loo, so they cut through the terrace to the back of the stand. Halfway up, his friend felt a squidge under his foot. When they reached the stairs, they heard from behind us, Dad, someone stood on my pie. <laughs> which, 
Uh, you, but you never, you, you can't leave your pie in the ground. That's just, that's just asking for trouble. So that's another good one. Um, so best moments from the stands. So not necessarily yep. to do with the game itself, although it usually. Have you have have you? Sorry, Laura. Have you ever caught a football in the stand? Have I caught one? Um, I've had to throw one back. I can't remember if it just ended up on my feet or at me. I uh, I can't remember if I actually caught one. I've done it once. Okay. I've done it once. Um, I went to. I went on a round-the-world trip when I was between Radio 4th and uh, Top 107, I think it was. And I did the four codes of football, the rugby league, rugby union, football, and Aussie rules in Sydney in a week. And I went to see uh, an Asian Champions League game in Parramatta, Sydney. It wasn't even a big enough game to get one of the main stadiums. And Sydney FC were playing Persik Kadiri um, of Indonesia. And the ball was, was, I think I was about the sixth throw back, and, and I caught it. Um, but it's very rare. There's been a couple of times where we were always, there was two rows in the old press box at Tyne Castle, and we always sat in row B um, before it was knocked down for the new one. And there were a number of times where the ball was just hammered into the main stand, a clearance over the dugout. And the boys in the front row, which was normally the newspaper guys, it would either hit their laptop or most of them were pretty good enough to pr- protect themselves. So we could have been hit a few times by that. I think Gary Mackay was commentating with me one day and headed the ball back, um, but was never able to catch it when I was doing that. So I've never caught the ball at a Hearts game, but have any of our listeners done so? There's there's another one. If you've ever caught the ball at a Hearts game, I'd be interested to hear about that. Uh, David Aitchison says, homework for next week, the, mo- the best irrelevant goal you can remember seeing, such as Egert Jonsson scoring an overhead kick at Bataudry in what he thinks was a bit of a dead rubber, between Jim Jeffries and and Mark McGee, so uh, very quickly I tried to have a think of irrelevant goals, and it's maybe a shame to call it irrelevant, but one that popped into my head, just in terms of the result wasn't very spectacular, and the player kind of disappeared was a spectacular goal that Paul McMullen scored. Uh, oh my season, goodness! Two thousand and two, and it wasn't irrelevant. It was early in the season. It was a one-one draw with Kilmarnock, but it's just the fact that he went on to just kind of disappear off the map in terms of um, professional football, Paul McMullen. But he played in that 5-1 win against Hibs at the start of the season. He set up Mark De Vries' hat-trick goal, I think it was. Um, but he scored this raker against Kilmarnock at the top corner from 20, 25 yards. And that was his only goal he ever scored for Hearts, and he kind of disappeared. So maybe career-wise, it felt a little bit irrelevant. Is there any that pop into your head of yeah. the best yeah, irrelevant goal? One that, right, Hibs won 6-2. So I'm commentating for Radio 4th in the main stand. Andy Kirk has scored the opening goal uh, in five minutes. And there's another chance. He had a right good chance to score a second. And Hearts were playing all right in the first half, but he didn't take it. Then Mixu got a hat-trick and Zatelli, O'Neill and Latipi. And then the Hibs fans applauded and chanted and cheered Colin Cameron's goal. Right in the death. That is the and no matter what I do, I'll, I'll struggle to get a more irrelevant goal than that. And there's very few goals that Hart score that Hibs fans cheer. My goodness, they cheered that day, and that was their their biggest win according to London Hearts for 27 years. And it was the beginning of the end for for Jim Jeffries as uh, as Hearts manager. But Cameron's irrelevant goal right at the death to put some gloss 
on what would otherwise have been a 6-1 defeat. That that actually just made one pop into my head, which is also Colin Cameron. Also in a game we conceded six. Now, I'm gonna, I want to say 2000 or 2001, it was at Celtic Park, and he scored a, a lovely curling goal from about 20 yards to give Hearts the lead. And it was at the time where I think I remember speaking to my dad about it, I think we were listening to it and said, we've just pissed them off. And they went, to, they went, they went on to score six. And even then, I remember Antti Niemi had a wonderful game, even though he conceded six. And it all started with Cameron scoring a great goal. And I said, we just annoyed them. They just and they responded with six goals, but it was a cracker and meant absolutely nothing in the end. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this looking at that season now, there was a spell. Um, the six-two game was the twenty-second of October against Hibs. The six-one game was the 18th of November, so less than a month later. And in between time, Celtic scored five in the League Cup quarter-final. So we conceded 17 goals in those three games in less than a month. Yeah, no wonder Jim didn't survive. There's quite a few suggestions. I'm not going to get through them all. I'm actually going to keep some of the ones that I've not got to uh, today for the next show and keep this open and running. Uh, there was one other I was going to quickly mention because it was specifically related to it being international weekend um hearts museum themselves actually messaged saying hearts players who have played against scotland as a trivia question mm. uh, carmen carter uh, on twitter very quickly responded with michael Yunus, chesnowskis and zalukas hearts museum has private have privately given me the list of players there's nine players who have played against scotland um one player who has done it twice between 2002 and 2012, they've all happened. Do you think you could name them? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven are Lithuanian. <laughs> um, I can give you 11 players that have played against Scotland. 11 Hearts players that have played against Scotland. Okay. Do you want them? Yeah. Marshall, Kirk and Thompson, Mackay, Milne and Bowman, Hamilton, Murray, Young, Conn and Crawford. Because Hearts beat Scotland 3-2... Yeah, in the yeah, build-up yeah. to the World Cup in 1958, <laughs> I win. Okay, technicality. technicality. Oh, here we go, bringing your technicality. Goodness me. Compet- well, I was going to say competitive, but some of these games are friendly, so I can't even claim that. Let's see, okay. 2002, first player, Canadian. Probably made it too easy there. Colin Miller? 2002, oh. come on. Uh, you You've thrown me with your Andy Smith comment from earlier. <laughs> My head is now completely minced. Scotland 3, Canada 1, Kevin McKenna. Kevin McKenna, yes, that's what I said. <laughs> it sounded like Colin Miller. Unbelievable. So, um, right, next. We've got a whole bunch of Lithuanians. So we've got Miko, we've got Chesnowskis, mm-hmm. we've got Chanavichus. Yeah, yeah. uh, was that how you said it? I, can't, I never commented. Kusinavichus. Was actually Kusinavichus, okay. Uh, Andreas Kusinavichus, little small guy, black hair. Okay, no worries. Miko again uh, in Scotland through Lithuania won in a game where mm-hmm. he famously or infamously um, won a penalty. We'll, we'll leave it yes. at that. Uh, Andres Vilichka also in that mm-hmm. game. Um, we've then and got... Garis Jankowskis, did he play against no. Scotland? No, not when he was. He did, but not when he was a Hearts player, I believe. Okay. Um, okay. Scotland 2, Iceland 1, April 2009. Egert Jonsson. Well done. Uh, Drew, by the way, I, I, I didn't get the chance to commentate him on uh, recently, but he was on the bench for uh, for Iceland and Belgium at oops. the end of last week. I was like, Eckert Jonsson? I don't remember that name. Oh, and by the way, um, 
there was a guy I never got in last week. We were talking about um, <laughs> randoms that played for Hearts and went on to be good or came with a reputation. Um, and I compl- it annoyed me after I listened back to us. I wish I'd said that. And you've given me a perfectly tangent position to introduce Halmar Thorarinson. Do you remember him? I do. And um, Ewan Pringle actually said homework could be what's the most random player to get a call up for their nation at full or full or youth level for hearts. And he said Abua Stevenson Visconti Halmar. Halmar Thorarinson, yeah. So, Hockey um, Visconti, oh, goodness. So there you go. So that was that was another one. Um, two more Lithuanians got okay. on, get on in a, um, Arvidas Novikovas and Marius Saliukis in September 2011. Scotland, mm-hmm. always, Scotland always seemed to play Lithuania, don't they? They did, didn't they, yeah. Um, and then finally, 15th of August 2012, a game which was played at Easter Road between Scotland and Australia. Ryan McGowan. Yes, well done, mm. Ryan McGowan. So there you go players who've played against Scotland. So it's not going to be a competition winner, I'm afraid, for the Hearts Museum because we've, they've given me all the answers, which maybe I, sh- <laughs> I maybe should have. I, I, I maybe, no, it's not their fault. It's my fault for reading them all out, I suppose. But um, anyway, uh, we'll probably have to leave it at that for now in terms of the homework. So yeah, we can ca- carry that on next week. We've got we will loads, definitely. Loads of I've, I've got more to run through from what people have submitted this week, and I, I want to go through some of the other ones because we've got some crackers in there. So please keep these suggestions coming in. Um, so tweet uh, to the Scarves Around the Funnel Twitter account, which is at Around the Funnel, or go on the website Scarves um, Around the Funnel uk, and you can contact us there or podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk is the email address so keep them coming in a uh, quick run through so in terms of what you could give us to feedback to the questions we have your memories of uh, meeting hearts players and what might have happened best international records for hearts players if anyone wants to do the research for that best 11 or best players to play against hearts at tank castle or elsewhere best moments in the stands and most irrelevant goals you've seen Hearts score. Have you have you ever caught the ball? Uh, caught the ball. At oh, Hearts that was game? yeah. That's the one you threw. In, and I'll try and brush over the fact that you did also ask if anyone's met a Hearts player in a strip club. But yeah, we'll leave that one. Oh, that's, that's a better story. If someone has, again, um, I can imagine there'll be a few entries saying uh, I have, but it'll be from an A N other from Edinburgh, <laughs> who's produced. It'll be like a trialist submission. There'll be no real names attached to that, I can guarantee you. Be good if there were stories, though. Anyway. So, looking ahead to this weekend, Hearts will be back in action, thankfully. Um, going into the match against St Mirren, struggling St Mirren. Now, Hearts haven't scored in four games, and the last time this happened was October, November 2011, under Paolo Sergio, when they lost 2 0. At home to Rangers, they lost 1-0 at home to Kelly. They drew with St Mirren 0-0. They lost 1-0 away to Dundee United. And it ended with a 2-1 home win over Inverness on the 26th of November, which will be almost seven years ago to the day when we play St Mirren this weekend. Uh, now, Hearts haven't went five games without scoring since 98-99, Mark. Are we going to avoid that happening this Saturday? Yes, we're going to win. We're going to win. Something I'm going to introduce, um, and I haven't told you about this, because obviously that would be prep and we don't do that. Um, Every week um, from this week, you and I are going to give um, detailed predictions. Not, oh, I think we'll win. So, Hearts are going to win 2-0 in this one. um, And the goal scorer, Stephen McLean, will get one in the first half. St. Mirren will press 
for an equaliser, but Hearts will wrap it up with a second goal in the last 10 minutes. That's my detailed prediction for this weekend. What's yours? I'm I'm glad that you've just thrown this at me. Not even just... Of course. No, no. Come on. Instinct, son. Instinct. What you got? I I also think we will win against second bottom St Mirren. Um, You're padding. Score. um, I probably would have said... You know what? I'm going to be more optimistic. I would have said two. I'm going to go three nil. Um, Goal scorers. Uh, McLean, uh, Jim, um, Callum, no, Craig Whiten. Craig Whiten's going to get his first goal okay. as well. Okay. Okay. That's going to be a, a comfortable victory against the St. Mirren side, who also have only scored one goal in the last four games. So between these two clubs in the last four games each, what's that, eight games combined? They've got uh, one goal. <laughs> this will be a thriller for you to come and see. A point each. Um, and since Oren Kearney's taken over St Mirren, they started with a draw against Celtic, but they lost seven in a row. Then they drew with Dundee last time around, so still looking for his first win. They are struggling. And is this a game, Mark? We're not going to go into too much depth. Is it just a case of similar sort of setup that we had against Kilmarnock? Because I thought we no. set the team right, or is it going to be big changes? No, it's going to be different. And that is because Craig Levine's told us um, in a piece he did with Barry Anderson in the evening news, he's... He's been working on ways to be more efficient mm-hmm. um, in, and more creative in the final third as well. Um, he, like us all, has become a little bit fed up of uh, us having periods of possession with no end product. So he's he's planning. He's, uh, he's trying to come up with something that will see us create more, whether it's being more direct, whether it's being uh, quicker with passes. I don't know. So uh, it'll be different. I don't know how it'll be different. We'll just have to wait and see. Okay. I was going to say, will it be a similar setup in terms of the team information he puts out? Uh, well, it depends, what? doesn't it, on who comes back. What, what did Hearts have, nine or ten away? A lot depends on, on any knocks and niggles and bumps and bruises. And obviously, Callum Morrison didn't play for the the uh, one of the youth sides for Scotland. So is he going to be available? It's tough for us on a, a kind of Wednesday prior to a game to know who's available. Um, so... <laughs> What do we have? That's the other thing. I mean, we're down to the bare bones. Obviously, Christoph hopefully back for the Rangers game. Stevie Naismith hopefully back for Motherwell. Um, but for now, we don't really have too many options. So it's going to be interesting to see what Craig Levine comes up with. Unlike Oren Kearney, who not long into his tenure at St Mirren said he had to split training because he had such a big squad. Aye, it's quality, not quantity, son. Indeed. So let's hope that Hearts do have the quality to get that victory against St Mirren and end that scoreless and winless run that they've been on. Uh, we'll be back after that game to review it in maybe some detail. I don't know. It just depends how Mark's feeling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll blame you. Uh, but we'll be back for that, and we'll be back to talk about uh, the homework that we've had. with been so much going on in this episode that I'm not even going to try and summarise again. Uh, but it's been good. I- I've enjoyed it, Mark, and I'm just glad that we're past that international weekend, which just gives me the just gives me a bit of a downer. We'll be on a high at quarter to five on Saturday night and quarter to 12. See, that's good. So Hearts will have won by noon my time on Saturday and I'm more than happy at that. Let's hope so and we'll speak about it next week.